Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Well, Crossroads, great to be with you uh, today. We are starting out a brand new series, Me and My Big Mouth. And have you ever been there? You've done that. Um, you've said some stuff that, uh, oh, that shouldn't have come out of your mouth either in that way or the words, the tone or the timing, and you've harmed a relationship, you've put distance between yourself and someone, maybe even someone that you loved. And wouldn't you love it? Wouldn't you love it if there were some ways, some practical things that we could just put into practice that would give us richer relationships, uh, relationships of more depth and more intimacy? And those are some of the things that we're going to be covering over the next four weeks. And if you are just checking out what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, this is a great series uh, to be leaning into because even if you choose not to follow Jesus, what we're going to be talking about is just so practical uh, that it will help improve the quality of your life and the quality of your relationships. And I want us to go through, and I want us to think through what it is. How is it that we can take and we can hurt other people along the way with our words? And just a general disclaimer, uh, I am not perfect at this. I'm growing in my communication skills, but I don't have this nailed down. As a matter of fact, if you wouldn't already believe that, all you have to do is talk to my wife, Denise. She is really good at pointing out and saying, hey, hey, Doug, you missed the mark on that one. Doug, that wasn't the right way to say that or the right timing to say that. And I think what would be helpful is us just sort of like identifying the perfect people in the room or the perfect people that are online. So in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand or an opportunity to write something in chat if you happen to really just nail this whole communication thing down. If you have never said something and then regretted it, Uh, if you have never walked away from a conversation and realize that you have no idea what the person really said because you weren't really listening. If somebody's ever coming at you with information you don't really want to hear, maybe it's a confrontation, and you, as opposed to listening to them, are already readying your response. You're just waiting for a pause in the conversation so you can say what you want to say. If you've never done anything like that, if you've never won an argument... At the expense of the relationship, all those kind of things, and I could go on. If you've never done any of those kind of things, then you really are nailing this down. Just raise your hand or write something in chat. Let's identify all the perfect people in the room right now. Nobody is brave enough, right? No one's brave enough because we all have room to grow in this area. It's a level playing field, isn't it? And over the next four weeks, we can all grow as we look at some really practical, straightforward advice from Scripture and apply it to our relationships and get a little bit better control on me and my big mouth. Get a little bit better control on the use of the tongue. Get a whole lot better at using our ears and asking questions. Here's what we know. When certain things happen, we tend to have a natural response. It can be a part of your personality Uh, Maybe it was the home you were raised in, but you have a natural response. But the bad news is our natural response is not always the healthy response, right? 
Our natural response is not always the healthy response. So I just want to give you three quick scenarios, three quick case studies, and I want you to identify what might be your natural response. I'm not going to ask for you to show hands or any of that. And then I want you to also identify the healthy response. When someone accuses me, I'm quick to. When someone accuses you, you're quick to. A, review the facts and prepare a retort. B, write the person off and ignore their claims. Or C, ask clarifying questions. You automatically, if you're honest, you know your natural response. What's the healthy response here? Which one? See, yeah, we know it. We can so easily see it. We can't always easily do it. Okay, second example. When someone tells me how I've hurt them, when somebody tells you how you've hurt them, you are quick to A, affirm their feelings and apologize. B, claim my own hurt. C, defend my actions. This is painful, right? You already know your natural response. What's the healthy response here? A, yes. Ah, that's hard, right? If only we naturally did what was healthy. One last example for you to identify. When I know I'm right, when I know I'm right, when you know that you're right because you're just right so stinking much of the time, right? When you know that you're right, you're quick to A, state my case with evidence. B, be curious and patient while they explain their point of view. Or C, shut down and withdraw emotionally. You know your natural response. What is the healthy response? B, not quite as much confidence or you're just like already feeling the pain. You're like, can we stop this already, Doug? I don't like this. This is already, I'm out. I don't want any more of this kind of stuff. But we all have room to grow. And I tell you, I think that's great news because the part of how we grow in our communication, in our conversations, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of difficult situations and conversations, when we learn how to tame the tongue, when we learn how to ask better questions, when we learn how to listen before we react or respond, that is all part of spiritual growth. That's all part of the discipleship process. It's all part of becoming more and more and more like Jesus because he did all these things naturally. The healthy and the natural thing was what always happened for Jesus. And you and I, we can grow. This is an area that we can change and that we can mature in. Spiritual maturity, emotional maturity. But it's not easy. It takes work. It takes intentionality. And even when we think we're finally starting to get it down, we still mess it up. We still mess it up. So before we look at some incredibly practical advice from James, I want to give you just one little personal example that's happened in the past 18 months to me, a place where I did not nail it, where I did not apply everything that I know. And before we get there, I want to say this is a little bit real. This is a little bit raw. And for 15 months, I couldn't laugh about this. For 15 months, this is sort of like painful if I ever thought about it. 
But the great thing is with enough time and space, as we say before, we can look back at our own mistakes, our own sins, sometimes even the mistakes and sins of others, and we can actually learn to laugh at things. So I'm going to share with you an email that I received back in April 2020. And you're not going to get the whole thing because nobody deserves that much word vomit on them. But I wanted to give you just a few things from this email, and I want you to be thinking throughout the morning how you would have responded or how I should have responded. We'll make it a learning case at my expense. So let's go ahead and look at this email. And uh, this is back in April. You know, we're barely into the pandemic. And the first thing I want you to understand is the subject line was strike two. And now let's be clear, because I need a little bit of help with this. Maybe we can talk afterwards. Maybe this is a common subject line. How many of you have ever received an email with a subject line being strike two? Anybody? Because, I mean, we might need to talk afterwards, because maybe I can learn. Because this is what you know, right? You can complete this phrase. Strike two and... Strike two... Oh, yeah, strike three and you're out. You got strike two, strike three, and you're out. I missed that one. Strike three and you're out. Sorry about that. But we understand that that's a pretty tough thing to start out an email with. And as a matter of fact, the email was pretty harsh. And that's putting it mildly that Denise is like, you can't keep this to yourself. This needs to go to Bishop Brian. And then Bishop Brian's like, yeah, you shouldn't keep this to yourself. This needs to go like to your leadership because this is something that people needed to be aware of because some people were actually fearing for my physical safety, the way that they read the email. Let's get to like the very opening, the opening section. This is a line that I read and I'm pasting this word for word. I am still severely disappointed and angry with my church. Now, don't you love all caps? I mean, don't you love all caps, right? And you sort of get this, you know, saying I'm disappointed and angry with my church. That wasn't enough. We need to do a qualifier. We need to make it all caps. I am severely disappointed and angry with my church. And then we've already went to what happened next. Here's what happened next. This is sort of the gist of the email. You mark my words, Doug. This entire crisis, like the entire pandemic, Like this whole COVID thing, you mark my words, this entire crisis is a lie. And that's really what the content of the email was about. And let's go with one last line down towards the very bottom section of the email. I am very, very, very angry and disappointed, right? It's sort of just re-saying what was already said in the beginning in case we all missed it, in case I missed it. It's re-saying it, and to make it clear, we're going to add three varies, right? And it's like, wow, how do you respond to this? And like, how should have I responded to this? Because this is the tough stuff of life. But we all have difficult conversations. We all have things like this going on. Here's a great quote, just to remind you of how life is. Uh, Thomas Crumb says this, the quality of our lives, the quality of your life, the quality of our lives depends not on whether or not we have conflicts, but on how we respond to them. And do you get that? Conflict is a part of life. Conflict isn't something to be avoided. Conflict isn't something to like sort of push underneath the rug or sweep to the side or pretend that it doesn't happen. Conflict happens. Conflict doesn't determine the quality of your life or my life. The quality of our lives is determined by how we respond to those difficult conversations, how we react. And how did I react 
Now, I want to tell you, I am going to share my entire email response with you at the end of this message, so you have to hold on. And you get to judge me, you can even get to grade me, but as we dig into our teaching, I want you to be thinking, how should have Doug responded based on this teaching? Because I didn't nail this one. I wish I would have taken the advice of James and put it into play. I wish I would have preached this entire sermon to myself before I allowed myself to respond. We're going to be in the book of James for today and for next week. And if you're not familiar with James, if you don't know and recognize that author so much, James is the brother of Jesus. And and James, for a chunk of his life, only viewed Jesus as his older brother. In other words, he did not view Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. He did not view Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Jesus was just his older brother. But then everything changed. Everything changed with the resurrection. James went from simply thinking about Jesus or viewing Jesus as his older brother to seeing him as his Lord and Savior, the long-awaited Messiah. And man, for the past 2,000 years, the resurrection has changed so many people's lives. And it did just that for James. And James goes on just not to be a follower of Jesus, but he becomes a leader in the early church. He was like overseer of the church in Jerusalem. And when we get to the book of Acts, we see that James' voice carries great authority. In other words, when James speaks, what he says goes. When James says something, it settles disputes. It answers questions in our spiritual journey. And historically, we know that James gave up his life for believing in Jesus. He was executed. He was murdered. He became a martyr for his faith. That's who James is. And James Chapter 1, at the the very beginning, we see these words from James. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Consider it pure joy. Come on. Whenever troubles of any kind come your way. What are, that's pretty broad, right? Troubles of any kind? That, that's a broad statement, but let's see where we're going for the next four weeks. Troubles of any kind. When a difficult conversation comes your way, when a nasty email comes your way, are, are those troubles of any kind? Whenever your spouse says you never listen to them, is that trouble of any kind? Whenever your kids don't want to listen to you anymore, is that troubles of any kind? Whenever there's a conflict and you're losing a a friend or a loved one or a family member, whenever there's conflict between you and a neighbor, whenever there's disagreement between you and a coworker or a classmate, are those troubles of any kind? See, those are all troubles of any kind. And James says, troubles of any kind, there is like an opportunity. There is an opportunity for great joy. Opportunity does not mean certainty, right? Opportunity does not mean certainty. You might respond and react in all the right ways. Doesn't mean that great joy will always happen, 
But when we do it, when we start to apply the things that James wants to teach us and show us, it at least provides an opportunity for the relationship to be restored or strengthened or go in a, the right direction. And ever we respond and react in the right way, even if great joy doesn't come our way, even if it doesn't go the way that we would love for everything to go, just working the process, applying what James has to say, gives us growth. Growth will happen. Growth will happen regardless of outcome because we are growing in our faith. We are putting into practice what James is teaching us. So think about it like this as we head into this scripture. If you really want somebody to understand you, you means that you need to begin to understand them. We're putting into play Jesus' words of do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And here's what James gives. This is where the practical instruction, the straightforward words of advice, this is where the rubber beats the road. And let's go to verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, all of us, everyone should be quick to listen. James says, come on, priority number one is to listen. That's where we start out. That's going to provide an opportunity to grow. That's going to provide that chance to mature, for joy to come our way. When those difficult conversations come, the most important thing that you and I can do is listen. Slow down and listen. Not react, not respond. Not automatically be coming up with our response in our mind as someone else is talking. Now, some of you, some of you, you are naturally a, a great listener. People come to you and they, you know, this is how you know you're a great listener. People tell you. People come to you and they say, man, you are such a great listener. But for many of us, man, this isn't a natural strength of ours. This is something that we need to work at. As a matter of fact, we want other people to listen to us more than we want to listen to them if we're being honest. And James says this is number one. You want to have that opportunity for joy. You want that chance to grow. This is where it starts out. When troubles of any kind come our way, you should be quick to listen. But he goes on in the very next part of this verse. He says, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And you see how these two things go together, right? If you are quick to speak, you certainly cannot be quick to listen. It means you need to slow down. Before you engage the tongue, before you respond, before you react, you need to be slow to speak. That means slow to type, right? That means slow to respond or reply when somebody's saying something to you, either on the phone or face-to-face. -face. You need to be quick to listen. The two things go together. Your responsibility, my responsibility, James says, in this entire equation is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And the longer that they speak, the slower we have to be to talk. And the quicker that you are to listen, the more that you learn. You understand what learning is all about, right? We don't learn a whole lot when we're constantly talking. We learn whenever we are listening. We learn when we are asking 
questions. We, we learn whenever we are observing. We learn whenever we don't make hasty assumptions or judgments. We learn when we ask, why? Why do you feel this way? Why do you think this way? We learn when we withhold judgment. We learn when we sort of figure out where they're coming from, why they believe what they believe. We learn through listening. And James and his advice for you and I, and this is how he says we should engage with troubles of any kind when those difficult conversations come our way. This isn't James' instructions for how to win a debate. This isn't James' instructions for how to win an argument. This is instructions for how to win in the relationship, how to keep the relationship intact or allow even more room for the relationship to grow. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? You've used your words. Maybe your tone, maybe your temper, maybe your volume. You used your words to win an argument, but you harmed a relationship. You put distance between you and the other person. You proved that you were right. I mean, you proved that you were correct. You proved that you were right, and you pushed that other person right out the door. You won the argument. Victory was yours. But was that relationship harmed or hurt? You bet. Come on, when we try to just simply prove that we're right, we can write someone right out the door. When we try to win the argument and just prove that we're correct, that we're right, we can just, you know, write that other person right out of our lives. Come on, this is, this is the real stuff, right? Friendships have been destroyed by words. Marriages have been destroyed or harmed past the point of repair by words. Careers have been limited or come to an end because of words. Kids don't speak to their parents because all their parents want to do is talk and they're never quick to listen. They're only quick to talk and to lecture. Words that come out of being quick to speak and way too slow to listen. James continues because he knows that, come on, we can be quick to listen and we can be slow to speak, but we can still harm the relationship. We can still destroy any opportunity for joy to come about. We can eliminate any chance for growth and he goes on and he says, you should be quick to listen, you should be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. Now, anger looks different on each of us, doesn't it? Some of you, if you're being honest, or more likely if the loved ones close to you are being honest, you're a volcano. Anger for you, you just let it build and then you explode. You just like spew over anybody in your vicinity, right? 
You just get like volcano junk over everyone. You feel better. Everyone else feels worse. You know, the relationships are harmed. Others feel like, well, that's not me. I'm not a volcano. No, no, because anger on you, you shut down. You remove yourself emotionally and mentally from the relationship. You close up. And whenever the other person asks you what's wrong, your response is nothing. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. Why would you say I'm not fine? I don't understand why you think I'm not fine. How dare you say that? Okay, you get the idea. All of a sudden, you went from being quiet to becoming a volcano. And then others of you, you know, you're like, I'm not a volcano. Um, I don't close up. I don't retreat emotionally. You just like you just own your Pennsylvania Dutch nature and you go all passive-aggressive, right? You go all passive-aggressive. In other words, you look for opportunities to zing that person or to hurt that person, and you just sort of dig in, and you cause harm, but you never address the real issue. You just go all passive-aggressive, right? And anger looks different on each of us, but anger causes and harms and destroys relationship no matter how it looks on us. And unresolved anger, unresolved anger can just harm so much of your life, so much of your relationships. And here's the reason why. Here's a, a myth that we believe. Here's a lie that we believe whenever it comes to anger. Because we say our anger, our anger, yeah, I'm angry. Work's been bad. Yeah, I'm angry. School's been tough. Yeah, I'm angry uh, with my spouse. Yeah, I'm angry with my parents. And the lie that we believe, the myth that we believe, we believe that our anger can stay contained, right? I'm angry at work, but it's only at work. If you would tell me that, I'd say, let me talk to your spouse. Let me talk to your kids. Well, I'm angry at school. I'm angry with my teacher. I'm angry with a friend. I'm angry with somebody on my sports team, but it's only there. I keep my anger contained to that relationship. It stays contained. And I'd be like, oh, let me talk to your parents. Let me talk to your siblings. Let me talk to your friends. Well, I'm angry, but I'm only angry at my spouse. I keep it contained. It's only my spouse that I'm angry with. I'd be, oh, let me talk to your kids. Let me talk to your friends. Because here, it's a lie. Anger never stays contained. You're angry at work, and then your spouse says something that annoys you, right? And you're like, ah! Oh. You're only angry at work, but then your kids don't. All you asked was for them to take out the trash. I mean, come on. How hard is it? Your anger just spills out. I'm only angry with my spouse. But then my friend cancels the plans that we've had booked for so long and they can't show up anymore and, and it just spills out. And see, that's a lie. Anger never stays contained. It is a myth. Anger spills out into the relationships around us and it harms the people around us. Anger never stays contained. And James knows it. And James says, own it. You need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Don't let anger go unresolved. Don't believe the lie, the myth, that you can just contain it, you can segment it, you can compartmentalize it out into one part of your life. 
Because anger bleeds and spills out, and it harms your relationships, often with the ones that you love the most. It harms your relationship with your heavenly Father. James gives us this formula. The longer you listen, the more that you learn, and the less angry that you'll be. How do you keep your anger at bay? What works for you? I'm going to give you just one little thing that works for me. Whenever I'm, somebody's going at me and it's in person, I take both of my hands, I just open them up, and I put them underneath the table or I put them underneath the desk. It's just my way of saying, I'm going to listen. I'm going to lean in and ask questions. I'm not going to reply or respond. I'm going to slow down, listen more, speak less, not let anger build in me. And then James gives us the why behind the what with all of this. Why should we be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become anger? Because human anger. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Because human anger never takes us anywhere good or healthy. It destroys, it harms, it doesn't produce fruit. It does not provide an opportunity for great joy. It does not give us a chance to grow. So what do you do? What do you do? James answers that in verse 21. Therefore, get rid of. Therefore, get rid of. This is the Greek for simply taking off, like taking off a coat or an outer garment. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly. Humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Get rid of, take off, take off that need to be so quick to speak. Take off that anger and put on humility, the same humility that Jesus Christ demonstrated when he gave his life for you and for me, that same humility that allowed Jesus to go and be executed on a cross on our behalf, that's humility. Not considering ourselves better than others, but putting even others first. We're out of time, so I can't share my email with you. That would be wrong on so many levels, wouldn't it? Because I promised. Here's my email. You saw what the person said, and here's what I said. I wanted to let you know that I received your email. It appears that you are dealing with a significant amount of anger. I'm sure you know how devastating unresolved anger can be to marriages, families, careers, etc. I would love to connect you with a good counselor where you could process through some of the things that you're dealing with. And then I wrap up. The deacons will pay for your counseling. As for the content of your email, I respectfully agree to disagree. Uh, That means if you're counting strikes, there are likely many more to come if you continue to engage with Crossroads. Uh, Praying for you and that anger will not define your life. Now grade me. I hope you're not going to give me an F, because if you're going to give me an F, you don't want to know what was going on in here, right? You don't want to know what's going on in here. But based on what James said, if I could have put into play what I just preached, this isn't the email I would have written. 
Because everything in here is true, everything in here is correct, but did this get me anywhere? No, no, and no, right? What if I would have just replied? What if I would have just replied? Hey, I don't understand. Help me understand. I, I don't understand why you're so angry. Help me understand. We, we might never come to agreement, but I at least want to understand why you're so disappointed and why you're so angry with me and with your church. Help me understand. Would have that provided an opportunity, not a guarantee, would have that provided an opportunity for great joy? I think so. Would have that provided a chance to grow for both myself and for that individual? I believe so. Nothing guaranteed. But I believe it would have been a much better email response. Ronald Reagan, I'll give you one last quote. Ronald Reagan says this, Peace is not absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. And if you and I want to be people of peace, when difficult conversations come our way, we need to put into play the words of James. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Take off that need to respond so quickly. Take off that anger and put on humility. There's a way to respond on your connection card. It reads like this. I don't want to settle for simply being right or winning an argument. I want to respond in such a way that there is space for the relationship to be made right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ridiculous amount of practical advice that you give us in Scripture. And as we dig into James both today and next week, may you continue to reveal in us ways that we can grow, ways that we can mature, ways that even in the midst of difficulties, that there is an opportunity for great joy to come. There, there is a chance to grow and mature as followers of Jesus of Christ. You know where all of us are at. Some of us here have hurting and broken relationships because of our words. May we be a people who are willing to get rid of. Get rid of that need to be proven right. Get rid of that anger that just can so consume and overflow into other areas of our lives. And can we get rid of that need to respond and speak quickly, speak more, speak loudly, whatever it is. And may we be people who become, we put on that ability to be quick to listen to lean in, to understand, to ask those questions, to dig into the why. And as a result of that, as a result of us being obedient to what James teaches here, may we see relationships restored and see relationships grown. May it be an opportunity for growth in our own lives as we follow you and put into practice what you have taught us. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. We thank you for modeling humility we thank you for the example that you are and the way that you dealt with some incredibly, incredibly difficult situations and conversations throughout your life. May we follow your model and your example. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. 
You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.